welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. I believe that, in fact, just right the way through the service, I've just been seeing the Lord just emphasizing the whole thing of alignment. Aligning your life with the kingdom. God has called us to live in alignment with His kingdom. Every day you choose where you're going to align your life. You choose how you're going to align your life, how you're going to align your thinking, and how you choose to align your life, and how you choose to align your thinking will largely determine what kind of life you're going to live. And I believe that, I, I fully believe this. I, I believe that God desires for us to live a beautiful life. A beautiful life. Tell the person next to you, God wants you to live a beautiful life. Okay, some of you need to look back now. Some of you are going, wow, you are God's beautiful life. Wow. But the interesting thing is, is that in order to press in to that beautiful life, we need to understand that that actually living that life is one of the greatest weapons that we have in our arsenal in the kingdom. And um, one of the most powerful weapons to press into the fullness of what God has for us is the weapon of peace. God wants you to have peace. One of the number one things that the enemy comes up against in your life, he wants to steal your peace. He wants to take it from you. Because when you don't have peace, you are vulnerable to the enemy's lies his suggestions, you are vulnerable to his attacks, you cannot take territory, you cannot advance, and you cannot retreat. The amazing thing is, is that peace, the peace of the kingdom, is an offensive and a defensive weapon. You see, we, we kind of think of peace as uh, tranquil, tranquil stream, green tree, yeah, there's a lamb. It's just, it's, it's, it's so lovely. It's, oh uh, yeah. It is not, it's not total peace because the lamb keeps on going, bah. But, but it is very peaceful actually. Shh, stop it, stop. Just, just stop with that bowing. Stop it. We'll pray for the lamb. We'll pray for the lamb. It wants his mom. But kingdom peace is, is amazing. Listen to this scripture. The God of peace. I'm a, oh, the God of peace. Oh, that's the God of peace. <laughs> What's he going to do? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Woo! This is the God of peace comes offensively to crush Satan. It, you know, the God of peace. Hi, I'm the God of peace. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. How about, how about this scripture? Ephesians 6 verse 15 tells us, it's the passage of scripture on the full armor of God, putting on the full uh, uh, armor of God. So you're getting ready for war. And the Bible says, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
That word gospel means good news. The good news is that we can have peace. And peace fits you and makes you ready for what God has called you to in warfare. You see, because we are called to warfare. We are called to bring the kingdom. We are called to take territory for the king. Amen? The, the Bible tells us that we are to stand our ground. Having done all things to stand. But you cannot stand and you cannot advance if you don't have peace. A friend of mine, I, I've never forgotten this story. I had a crazy friend at, at school who had an even crazier father. And uh, I grew up in a, in a country that was at war um, in, in Zimbabwe. And um, it was a divided nation, civil war. And uh, growing, growing up at school, you know, all of us had dads in the army or brothers in the army. And this friend of mine, Gerard, his dad was a nutcase. He just, he was, he was just crazy. And, um, he, he was in an operational zone, um, and with a whole group of guys. And he was one of those guys that when he got bored, he tried to, he just entertained himself. And you know, those kind of people are dangerous in a war zone. So what these, one day he's walking past the showers in this in this war zone, and it's like it's a it's a guys barracks. They've only got men there, and they're right on the um, in in this operational zone. And uh, the showers are made of corrugated iron, so it's just corrugated iron walls with a corrugated iron uh, roof, no uh, no doors, and they've got like ten showers, and there's a whole bunch of guys showering. And he and he's walking past the showers, and he looks at them and. He thinks, I wonder what would happen. And he bends down and he picks up a cricket ball sized rock and, uh, and a handful of gravel. And uh, he just lobs this rock at the roof. And he gets the gravel and he times it and he throws the gravel so that the rock hits the roof with a and the gravel goes down the, uh, down the side and as just before the rock is about to hit the roof, he shouts, Grenade! Next thing, there's ten naked men bursting out of the showers, dressed only in soap suds. <laughs> but they've got their guns. Because they put their guns. And these guys are going out like this. Because now they can't run, they haven't got shoes on, they haven't got clothes on, but they've got their guns, and they're confronted with their enemy. Gerard's dad, who is now rolling on the floor, laughing. It's a miracle they didn't shoot him. They were so hit up. But when I heard the story, the thing that amazed me, if I, if I remember correctly, and it's been a while since I heard the story, they were dressed in nothing but soap suds and boots. Because in an operational zone, you keep your boots on. You keep your boots on because if you have to, you can run naked. But without your boots, you're vulnerable. You can't run properly. You can neither advance and you can neither retreat. You see, it's like, if you have to, you can, if the enemy's fleeing, you can chase him naked. You'll probably make him run even faster. 
If you have to, you can run away naked as long as you can run through the stones and the thorns and uh, whatever. And you know, you live in an operational zone. And God never wants you to take your boots off. Ever. And your boots in the kingdom, your boots in the kingdom is the readiness that comes from the good news of peace. When you have got peace, you're ready to advance. You're ready, ready to withdraw into the presence of God. But you are ready at, uh, at all times. So how then do you maintain peace in the midst of a lifestyle of, uh, of warfare? You know, it's, it's a really strange idea that the Bible tells you that we are to have our feet shod with the readiness that comes from the good news of peace. The idea of peace on a battlefield is strange. Because you see, for a Christian, peace is an inner stronghold, not something dependent on outer circumstances. You You can't change the circumstances necessarily, what's going around you. But you can build a stronghold of peace within your life. A place from which you are always confident to advance against the enemy or to withdraw into the stronghold um, of the line of God, of the line of Judah. So how do we do that? Turn with me in your Bible to Philippians 4 verse 4. Just about my favorite passage of scripture this week. <laughs> We're going to read until verse 8. I love this scripture. This is such a good scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be... (laughs) Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Whoa. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever, whoa, whatever is true, whatever, Oh, is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, oh, whatever is lovely, whatever, oh, is of good repute, oh, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Woo! Hallelujah, we made it. Oh, oh, just, let's just drink that for a moment. <sighs> Come on, I'm serious. Just soak in that for a bit. Wow, that's so good. Thank you, Lord. Mm. So, this is an amazing passage of scripture because in it, as 
as we're reading through this passage, the, the Word's telling us that if we live like this, according to this passage, there's certain outcomes that will be manifested in our lives. Incredible outcomes that give us authority and give us the ability to, to not only advance the kingdom outside of us, but probably what's more important, but to establish the kingdom within us. Because you will always establish around your life what you've established within your life. And so the, some of the outcomes here, this is amazing. It says that you will always be filled with joy. Always. How many of you like that? Rejoice in the Lord always. I mean, that is amazing. And he goes on and he says it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. There's an amazing emphasis on joy right there. Then it talks about having evident gentleness. Evident gentleness. Do you know that I have found that for many people, they lack gentleness, not because they're not gentle people, but because of an internal reality of fear in their own lives. How many know what I'm talking about? It's, it, it, it's not that, what happens is, because they are internally fearful, they build walls um, of brusqueness or anger to push people away because they're afraid. I, I had a dog when I was a child called Benji. Benji was like this. Benji was a fearful dog. He was a fearful animal. And, and you know what? Living in a house with two naughty boys, he probably needed to be. But we, we, we had two dogs. We loved the one dog because he wasn't grumpy. Well, she wasn't grumpy. But Benji was grumpy. And we found out, me and my brother, that you could tease Benji in the most delightful way. We, we thought it was delightful. But, okay, parents, this is not delightful. I'm not advocating this. But we used to go to Benji and we would go, you know, you'd reach out your hands and Benji. And Benji would go, Benji. And then after a while, we'd get we'd get a broom or a stick, and we'd just tease him. And then you'd get really close. You go. A lot of people are Benjis. Have you ever noticed that? We originally we reached out a hand to stroke Benji, but Benji thought he was going to get a good club, and so he'd growl to protect himself. A lot of people go through life. They have no evident gentleness because when they see a hand stretched out, that hand might be reaching out to touch them with love, but actually they just see a hand reaching out to hurt them. And you know where the root of that is? The root of that is fear. Evident gentleness. No anxiety. Wow, this is amazing. Be anxious for nothing. Do you know that they say the United States of America Medical Association basically has said the number one illness that people suffer in um, in the modern world is depression and so depression and some kind some form of mental illness. Much depression, not all, much depression, much mental illness is rooted in a loss of your internal peace and a loss of just, um, and that loss of peace is often rooted in fear. The Bible says anxiety in the heart causes depression. 
And you know what? God wants to, God wants us to build our internal reserves against this attack of the enemy that, that comes in our modern world. This, this fear, depression, lust. Do you know that lust is often rooted in fear? See, what, what lust is, lust is the fear that somehow I am going to miss out on something that's good for my life. So I need to go and get it. Because God's not going to look after me. God's not really good. He's not going to care for me. And so I am going to go after good things with illegitimate means. Selfish ambition. <laughs> Here's a big one. Selfish ambition. Man, i got to look after numero uno. And I am numero uno. Just in case you were wondering. Because no one else is going to look after me. i got to look after me. What is that? That is rooted in fear. Selfish ambition. Discord. Disharmony. Oh. But imagine living without those anxieties in your life. Living at peace. Now, Debbie told me something yesterday that just made so much sense. If you look at the word shalom... The word peace, it literally means to be at one. To be at one, to be united, to be one. And the word integrity literally means to be in one piece. And when engineers um, talk about something having structural integrity, it doesn't mean to say that the building is not going to take bribes. Structural integrity means it is all of one piece. It is not cracked. It is not fighting against itself. It is all of one piece and it is likely to hold together. That's what peace is. You see, what the enemy loves to do is get you fighting against yourself. Don't you know that that is a fight you can't win? Have you, have you ever done that? You go to bed fighting with yourself, arguing with yourself. How many of you have ever had a conversation with yourself at night? Oh, isn't it so annoying? The other night, I went, I went to bed and I was just thinking about something. I was just thinking and thinking. My head was swelling. And because uh, I've got four children in, in my house, some of whom now, now sleep really well and no longer wake up every 20 minutes, you know. It's, it's awesome. But others still wake up quite a lot. I've got, got into the habit of sleeping with earplugs in for when I'm not on shift. You know, Debbie and I take turns. <laughs> but you know earplugs don't help when the voice is inside your head and it's yourself <laughs> I mean I said I rolled over I said Debbie I wish I could take these earplugs and stuff them up my nostrils far enough that I could stop my own voice from arguing with myself <laughs> how many of you have ever had that feeling you're lying on the pillow and you're just saying to yourself shut up go to sleep I am trying to go to sleep you shut up you shut up you shut up I am you I know, that's what's so confusing, but will you just shut up? Shut up yourself! Some of you are like really worried now. Shush. <laughs> and I go to that church. <laughs> He's got voices in his head. I always thought there was something strange about that guy. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, you do it too. <laughs> and finally it talks about having your 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 mind and your heart protected. You see, God wants to protect your heart and protect your mind. Because the enemy, if the enemy wants to take you out, that's where he goes for. He'll nail your head or he'll nail your heart. He'll 
take your belief system down or he'll take your courage. <laughs> and yet, right here, God gives us keys to keep our peace on at all times. Okay, let's have a look. Let's back up a bit. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Joy is always appropriate for the Christian. That word always, if you look it up in the original Greek, it means always. Always. Always rejoice. And he goes on, just in case you missed it, he repeats himself and says, again, I say rejoice. Why is that? Because joy is not an event, it's a perspective. It's a kingdom perspective. It's a way of seeing. It's seeing from the heavenly realm. It is always appropriate to rejoice. Amen? Because what you're doing, when you are choosing a lifestyle of joy, you are choosing to view yourself, your circumstances, and your life from His vantage point. I love the West Westminster Catechism says, the chief end of, God, of man is to glorify God and, in, uh, and enjoy Him forever. I have often thought it should have been written, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. You are called to live a life filled with the joy of enjoying God. Do you know that you can enjoy God? You can enjoy God. I, I mean, this morning was, was a great example. I'm just enjoying worship and um, had a cool prayer time with Jan and we were, we were having some fun with the Lord. Now I stand up and I'm minding my own business and mystery comes over. I don't know. I think Jessica set her up to it. Yeah, yeah, she's going. <laughs> yeah. and, and Jessica puts mystery down and says, go pray for daddy. And she came over like a little, little stealth bomb and laid hands on my knee and went, shh. And the next thing, I just felt the power of God just go right up my leg and knock me down. And you know what? That was so much fun. It was so much fun. I just enjoyed it. But do you know that we choose to enjoy God? We choose to enjoy our life. When you wake up in the morning, what do you, what do, you do? Do you, do you look around? Because many of us, we kick instantly into problem-solving mode and we look at what's not good. What's not going well? What, you know, the problems we have in our, our lives, the deficiencies, the things that haven't happened yet, the promises we're still believing for. And as a result, we live with a lack of joy. We postpone joy. How many of you have do, uh, are doing that? You postpone joy. When I just get this sorted out, I'm going to be happy. When I just get, and the devil's there to encourage you to think, yeah, that's a big one. That's important. That's really important. Focus on that right now. It's a big problem. And you know what? Even Jesus is stressing about that right now. Even Jesus is worried about that. So you need to be in alignment with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, they're mad right now. They're mad, probably mad with you. So once you've got that sorted out, then you can be joyful. But that is not the kingdom. We are called to choose joy Always. And again, I say, <laughs> rejoice. 
Believe God. So when we see, when we choose joy, we see from his perspective. And notice what it says here. It says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. You see, victory, victory in the kingdom always comes from the presence of God. He is victory. He is the victory that you're looking for. So we are called to be people who host his presence. So do you want to attract the presence of God to your life? You want, you want the Lord to be near you, choose joy. You see, some people are waiting for God to come and then they're going to have joy. But you know what? Your joy attracts the angels. Your joy attracts the Lord. The Lord is attracted to joy. Amen? Some people believe that the Lord is attracted by somberness and seriousness. Hello, brother. You know what I'm talking about. You, you come on, come on. You've been there. Hello, brother. I've been in the way 40 years. That's the problem. Get out of the way and let Jesus come through. This is a church. Show some respect. The pastor is preaching right now. <laughs> but in the kingdom, joy is always appropriate. And it attracts God's presence. The, the Bible says the Lord is near. Because he, 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 I believe that when we choose joy, the presence is attracted to that. Amen? So what's the next thing? It goes on and says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, uh, by prayer's application, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Come on, I'm getting better. Second thing is, Choose to live grateful. Live grateful. Gratitude is an amazing weapon to break down anxiety and fear in your life. Man, it, it, it's amazing. If you will live grateful, you see, what, what we're doing in the kingdom is we are choosing to live in alignment with His world, not our world. Why? What does gratitude do? Gratitude, it takes you out of self-pity, out of the problem, into his perspective, and it aligns your thinking with the answer and not the problem. So we live grateful. We live grateful. When we bring our petitions before the Lord, we come with gratitude, knowing that we already have what we've asked. We come with gratitude for what He's already given us. Aligning ourselves with a God who's great, who's abundant, who's good, who's always loving, who's utterly amazing. We align ourselves with the breakthroughs we've already had. See, the power of thanksgiving is it recalibrates your heart out of the problem, out of the stress, and into that when we live with gratitude, it says, 
and the peace of God. And the peace of God, whoa, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see, there is, a, there is protection for your heart and for your mind. It's the peace of God. And the way we release the peace of God is by living thankful. Living with gratitude. Waking up every morning. Maybe you wake up in the morning and you think, I've got nothing to be thankful for when I woke up this morning. Yes, you have. You woke up. You woke up. It's better than the alternative. My, my dad, when, when he was 80, on his 80th birthday, I said, Dad, how does it feel to be 80? And he looked at me and he said, it's better than the alternative. Sometimes thankfulness is, is it's literally a choice that, that we wake up and we just, we just say, you know what, I, I'm just going to choose gratitude today. I'm going to get out and walk out and go, ah, Jesus, thank you for this lovely rain that is drenching me right now because it's watering my life. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm going to my job. Thank you, Jesus, that this, uh, that I have a job. Thank you, Jesus, for my home. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for the food that you, thank you, Jesus. You see, the alternative could be you, you can get up and you can go, I'm awake. I haven't slept. I've only got 30 minutes for breakfast and get to work. Oh, no, wouldn't you believe it? It's still raining. Oh, I'm at work. I hate work. And I hate my boss. And my boss hates me. I hate my life. You know what? Largely, you've determined the route of your day. And you drive your peace from you. You open your heart to be offended, to be hurt, to be bitter. You open your heart to everything toxic the enemy wants to pour in there. And then on top of that, he comes and he throws darts at your head. God doesn't love you. He hasn't got a plan for you. His promises will never come through for you. And he goes for your head. And before you know it, you're going there and you're like, Ezra, I need counseling. The devil attacked me. I don't know what it was. It might have been that sign I stuck up in front of my life that said, attack me! It says, it's a peace that surpasses all comprehension. What does it mean? It's not understandable. It's irrational. Have you ever met people, they're just like happy, irrationally happy. It's like, what's with that? What's with that? They're just happy. It doesn't make sense. Your life is not meant to make sense to the world. What's wrong with those happy Christians? What's wrong with them? They carry peace. They carry the presence of God. I like being around those people. They have no right to feel so happy. Stop it. You're messing up my depression. Don't you want to be one of those people? Come on. Thirdly, live in the whatevers around you. Wow. What's the whatevers? Man, a little while ago when I first got this message, it was at that stage in certain people in my family's life 
when whatever became a strong word. Whatever got banned in our house. It got, got banned. I was like, don't whatever your dad. Oh, that slipped out. I, it was, it was, it was, it was the mother. Whatever, it got banned. But the week it got banned, I read the Bible and I see Jesus saying whatever to me. I'm like, oh, come on, Lord. Hey, whose side are you on? There's. It's going, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. If there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, Nigel. <laughs> you, you see... This is our perspective. Sometimes, as, as Christians, we have chosen to dwell on, the word dwell on means live there. Live there. This, this, make this your habitation. Make this your general place of habitation. It, and, and sometimes, Christians are the worst at dwelling on whatever is not true, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is wrong, whatever is impure, whatever is ugly, whatever is of bad repute, if there's any lack of excellence, if there is anything worthy of criticism, dwell in these things. That's just wrong. That's bad. That's ugly. That's terrible. Oh my goodness, the world. When I was young, the Antichrist is coming. I'm telling you. Don't you know? Jay-Z is more powerful than JC. Some of you know who I was talking about. And so what we end up doing is we focus on what's going wrong, what we worried about, what we stressed about. And as a result, uh, as a result of that, we drive peace from our lives. We drive joy from our, uh, our lives. And, and we create an atmosphere within us that creates an atmosphere around us. And we wonder why we live lives that are constantly on the edge of burnout. And yet, God's told us to, to live in whatever is true. Do you see anything true in the world? Anything good? That's where you dwell. Do you see anything honorable when you meet someone? What do you see and look for and call out in that person? Do you say, man, this is what I like about you. This is what I honor about you. It's amazing. When you, do you see anything that's pure? Anything that's lovely? Anything of good repute. If there's any excellence, do you find it, look at it, call it out, dwell on it, and um, build it up? If there's anything worthy of praise, is there anything worthy of praise in your life? That's where you dwell. Because as you live there, this is an amazing promise. Dwell on these things, and the things you've learned, and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you that's one level up from the peace of God will be with you that's the God of peace 
will be with you. In other words, not just will God give you His peace, but the God who gives peace will be with you. And victory always comes from the presence. You, as you dwell in this way, as you live this way, you become a dwelling place for the God who is peace. And where you go, you are a peace breakthrough, a peace broker everywhere you go. You know, I, I had a recent experience of this when I was in Nashville. We we gate crashed a meeting of some friends of mine. I was trying to get hold of them. And um, we couldn't get hold of them. But we just decided to gate crash their meeting. And we came in on Friday. And as we came in, the presence came with us. And we only realized how much it invaded the, uh, the meeting. It was me and my friend Clay. When later on, this lady... Real southern lady. She said, you know, pastor, as these two gentlemen walked in, I just saw the Holy Ghost like a dove. He came in like a dove, just resting on these two gentlemen. And ever since then, I've just been feeling the presence of God like a dove, just resting on these two gentlemen. And I want to tell you, we weren't, we weren't like, praying and doing stuff like that, we were just rejoicing when we arrived. We were just having fun. We were just having fun. Because you know Jesus likes to have fun. He's a bit like you. He likes to be with fun people. (laughs) And you know what? I believe that God is attracted. The presence of God is attracted to a life that chooses joy. That chooses the beautiful. Lives life looking for the beautiful. And you know what? It doesn't have to be big things. This, this weekend, I, I, you know, cause I was meditating on this message, you kind of, your own messages align your own heart. And, uh, I just had such a wonderful time this, this weekend. Um, on, on Friday, I was just hanging out with my, uh, my kids. Uh, we did movies to, uh, together. Um, a different movie. I, I watched Bambi with my littlest one. Well, not actually, well, Mystery was reading her book, head feet head back, feet up, reading her book, uh, while we watched Bambi, me and me and Jemima. And you know, I've got to admit, Bambi is an awesome movie. Okay, I like Bambi. I'm never eating venison again. But you know what made it really joyful for me was having my little Jemima in my arms and just holding her. And then later on, I got to watch a good boy movie with my son and we together we saved the universe that's what us guys do you know we watch guy movies you know the kind of movie that we like you know one man against an alien race with superior intelligence better weapons the element of surprise and everything going against them and one man triumphs <laughs> and every guy in the room goes, yeah, that's me. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I'll take him down. I wouldn't be scared of that 10 foot, 10 story high galactic monster that's terrifying. I'd take him out. So my brain, and then watched another movie. We did some Master Chef. Me and my eldest did Master Chef and we cooked together and uh, did an amazing soup and we ate soup. You know what? That's where your whatevers are found. Your whatevers are found in ordinary life, just enjoying those moments together. 
just squeezing every last drop of joy out of your life. You see, sometimes we make attracting the presence of God to our lives too complicated and too religious. We think that it's, man, it's, it's in hours of fasting and prayer. No, no, no. In my case this weekend, it wasn't fasting, it was eating. Praise Jesus. I did this awesome chicken, cauliflower, celery, and apple soup. Woo, I tell you what, it was a supernatural gift. That and rejoicing in that attracts the presence of God to your life. And it's out of the presence that victory comes. It's out of His presence. When the presence is with you, you're ready to advance and you're ready to step back into the stronghold of His presence when the enemy comes. That's where victory comes. Thank you so much for listening to this message. For more information and resources, see our website www.nigelanddebbie.org. Thank you.